if you did make it till the end, like I actually thank you for pressing play, listening to the Dukan show, because you know we can like put out content, but if you ultimately don't listen to it, we're gonna still keep putting it out there. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yes, yes, this is DJ Mo City, aka DJMoCity.com, aka Iraq's first soundboy, live and direct. You're now listening to the Dukan Show. Shout out to Dubai crew, Abu Dhabi, Sharjah, 264. What up? Urban Life. Neighborhood Venter. Pull up a seat and pass the time. <laughs> Hosted by OT, Toothless, and Ishad. I'm, I'm always done eight. So, you know, we could always do that. Yeah, yeah, it's like Neil, man. Neil loved to cook. Yeah, and he's <laughs> yeah, a DJ as well. You haven't met Neil, have you? Not only on the internet. Oh, okay. he's, a, he's a G, man. He's really cool. I've heard a lot of good yeah. things about him, you know. He's an he, he, likes to, he likes to drink wine and then look at his vinyl and then <laughs> he'll show us the, the meat he's got to cook later, you know what I mean? It's like that. Dollars, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so how, how did you become like this, like such a, a music activist and, and, you know, you're all about love and light and, and you know, spreading out the music? Mm. We're going to go back to when I was 14 years old. Take us, man. I was actually really short and Smart. I had a baby face <laughs> and... Uh, they used to call me Shorty, and I was like this really short kid who couldn't even enter the club. So my older brother started rapping, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting," you know. He, he was he lives here now, so you grew so, up here. No, I grew up in Dubai. He, my brother, moved here nine oh, years ago. Oh. I was I'm talking about India. I grew up in New Delhi, India. So I'm in New Delhi, India. I'm 14 years old. My brother's 17, and he's going out to the clubs, and there's like these freestyle nights happening and I'm like yo that's so cool like how can I come and I, I would go with him he would convince my parents that I should go out with him and he would watch make sure I'm alright and uh, we'd go to these places and I actually don't get into these uh, clubs because I'm like this short so kid short looks guy, like a yeah. nine year old kid you, you know? didn't have the mustache at the time no, I, didn't have, <laughs> I didn't even have hair I was like a midget you yeah, know? He, he wasn't that iconic so, yet. <laughs> uh, I was actually yeah I was like I need to I need to like I need to see what's going on inside. I cannot keep sitting outside the club and not really knowing what these people are doing inside, you know? So it all started off with hip-hop, and uh, I would go to the club, never get in. I was like, listen, I need to find a way to get in, you know? So I somehow managed to, like, convince the owner of the club to talk to me. And then I explained to him that, yo, I have a lot of friends, and I need to... I need to be inside. I can't be outside, you know? And uh, he's like, what do you do? I was like, I also rap. <laughs> so I started, I went back home. I memorized some lyrics from some artists that I liked, you know, just copied them. And it's like, yeah, I can spit rhymes too, you know? It's okay. I, I rapped other people's lyrics, you know? And eventually I wrote my own lyrics later on. But I managed to get in. So I was on the other side. I was inside. I was there getting in. I was like coming in through. I was like coming with people. You know, I had a lot of friends. I was like constantly networking and uh, the tricycle like, mob. Like 15 years old, and I'm like, yo, I managed to get into the club, you know. And slowly, I figured it out that if I was somehow involved with the promoters or with the club owners, they would need me to be like kind of around, around, and like because I attract people, and I, I'm not that. I wasn't that popular or anything. I just kind of. People would ask me where we were going, and I'm like, yo, we're going to Oxygen, because that's where the party is. So I slowly started, like, I managed to get into the club, made friends with the club owners, and convinced them that I should be paid to be here. I don't know how this <laughs> happened. This <laughs> you don't know how this happened. Well, that was the breakthrough of my career. So at the age Nicely of 16, done. 
At the age of 16, these two DJs asked me if I wanted to host their nights because the MC they had was leaving back to LA and they needed an MC. And I was out and I was 16 and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do the job, you know. So they offered me $10 to go from New Delhi to Gurgaon. Gurgaon is like Sharjah, it's like 50-minute drive. Okay. I didn't have a car, I would like take hitch hack. And, however, I made it to the club, which was called Odyssey, and I was the host of the night for $10. And I, like, it was the weekend, you know, so I would do this for $10. And I was like, yo, this is amazing. Like, they're actually giving me $10. <laughs> I'm on, on stage, like, shouting shit. People are, like, <laughs> reacting. So until now, I, I didn't really... Content-wise, it wasn't so like, I wasn't like thinking too much about the content, you know, it was music yeah. that was being played and I was like, just, you know, with it, you know? Mm. So I think... Uh, it was not like mainly hip-hop? It was hip-hop, you know, you throw in a few dance songs every now and then, maybe sneak in some Bollywood or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, keeps yeah, everybody yeah. happy and engaged. <laughs> so moved on from like a... You week. know Indians. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm more Indian than a lot of Indians. Yo. So uh, we started off with that as a... Week, weekly residency then it moved on to becoming like Wednesday and Saturday then I went to college and actually paid for my college through like emceeing at these nights nice, nice. but I think it got to a point where I was doing too many of these nights and I wasn't really feeling like I mean on the side we had our thing Aftershock Records and uh, the indie hip hop label we started in New Delhi and I was like I need to really like uh, I can't keep this shit is, it's annoying you know they play the same every fucking week and I can't deal with it. I, I don't even know what to tell the people because I'm, I'm getting bored of this mm. So I started coming to the club early, between eight to nine. I would like try to DJ, nobody taught me how. I still probably don't know how to mix, but I have content, I'm, I'm a selector. Mm. So I'm trying to play this music from like eight to nine and the DJs, they were getting insecure that I was actually playing music to the bartenders. It's like, yo, you're, nobody comes in before 11. So I decided that I need to part ways with these DJs. There, there were these two DJs, I was their MC, and I need to focus on how I can create my own thing, you know? Mm. And that's when I actually debuted as DJ Mo on the 17th of August, 2007. And we had our first uh, South Delhi block party. Our hey. focus was primarily, it was called South Delhi block party, but it wasn't in South Delhi and it wasn't a block party. <laughs> it was in, in another neighborhood. And it was indoors in a club. But we, we wanted to theme it around the block party culture, you know, and how to promote the four elements of hip-hop, you know, graffiti, turntablism, mm. MCs, and B-boys, you know? Yeah. So, obviously, I'm not a turntablist, but I was a DJ at the time, or an MC. And we brought people from different backgrounds to participate and create their own kind of, like, whatever, your upcoming graffiti artist, upcoming B-boy. Nice. We just wanted to give everybody a little platform. Nice so we that. did a few block parties, and then I realized that it's, it's the content that you put out that people recognize you for that, you know, and slowly they start kind of respecting you and you get, like, asked to play at these parties or curate things. And I was still doing hip-hop, hip-hop, hip-hop. I think in 2008, 2008, I saw this, like, electronic band, uh, Ex Machina, and they played, like... Yeah, very good memory. Yeah. Something <laughs> like, like dubstep or electronic music. And I was like, what the f*** is this, sh you know? Like, I can't... And I was like getting fed up with the hip hop lyrics, you know, because it was just big boot chains, yeah. <laughs> 50 Cent, everybody. I saw 50 Cent live, that's cool, you know. I got a shout out from everybody, G Unit, ah, what up? I was like, this is not really gonna, I, I can't really relate to this anymore, you know. It's, uh, yeah, it's done, you know. Now we need to start putting out music with the content. And then I moved on to reggae music, which is conscious music. And that's how I whole started the reggae rajas, uh, reggae sound in India. 
and slowly got more into like educating and creating a different kind of environment musically to people, you know, because there's your regular house and hip hop parties. And then there's your alternative underground nights that we started kind of bringing up in India. Mm -hmm. And so I basically started doing that in New Delhi and uh, whether it was drum and bass, dubstep, uh, live electronica, turntablism, I started just promoting that and uh, I was like, I need to like pioneer the How thing. old were you at this point? I was uh, like 19. Uh, so yeah, I was 19. So you're still in India at 19? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I left India in 2012. Uh, it's like four years back. Right? You really grew up in yeah, India? Yeah, I spent like 16, 17 years in India. Damn, oh, wow. Yes, India is my home. Can I go listening. back? I went back. I was just there. I played a festival in December. And I might do like a little tour in Feb or March. Nice. Let's see. Are you still with the reggae? Yeah, reggae rogers is my thing. I mean, uh, it's not really possible to kind of perform with them if you're not really there, you know? Yeah. So we decided to expand, you know? So reggae rogers is like now an international sound, you know? Okay. I play show there. We were three people when I started it. Me and Raghav, Diggy Dang, and Zarawar, General Zeus. When I left, they needed a DJ MC, so they recruited Ziggy the Blunt. And when I was traveling around Europe and other parts of this world, you know, whether it's Turkey, Bulgaria, I brought in my best friend who's a Libyan guy who now lives in Malta and he represents Reggae Rajas too. So we expanded. We became oh, like a cool. five people and we do shows yeah, wherever we go. You know, Representing the brand. Yeah. Representing wow. the crew, the sound, you know. Mm, yeah. So we started off as like a reggae crew and now, yeah, we're an international brand. You know, you say Reggae Rajas, anybody who's familiar with the current reggae scene all over the world, should know of us because we've done like festivals from like 200 people to 20,000 people like we opened up for Alborosi, Chronix, Protégé all over Europe and for us that was really rewarding how we reached that is again by conquering the scene in our own cities you know mm -hmm. in our own like uh, country and India was that place for and us and it was reggae that did it it was definitely uh, for me as a promoter it was everything but as a DJ and all it was reggae music that kind of allowed me to push uh, a message with a meaning you know and then of course well, uh, how do you tie this message with the meaning thing I mean I guess the content of reggae music is not really about like you know it's more like politics uh, it's more conscious vibes it's more maybe there's love music in there but it's not music you know it's mm -hmm. not just britches and bitches and but why what I'm saying is like do you think that the message with the music thing is what propelled you further no. than where you were at with the hip-hop no, thing? No, it just gave me like an inspiration to be part of something different with a meaning. That pushed me. I mean, obviously in our nights, we weren't only playing conscious music. We were also playing dance hall music, mm -hmm. which is music to let loose and dance because yeah. it's dance hall. You're in the dance hall. Exactly. And that's how I connected pe with people like Danny Neville or the whole jam rock crews. Like when I came out here, I did my first emceeing thing with Danny and I was... Uh, <laughs> I was hosting like the jam rock nights with them. I was, that's crazy for me because I was living in India and I knew there was a party in Dubai called Jam Rock Dubai. Mm. And I really didn't know like who all were involved in it. But I knew like I've seen Danny on some Twitter and all. And we would connect with different people from all over the world because we try to like, yeah. you know, connect as a reggae community, yeah. you know, or dance hall. And uh, yeah, we come out here, we rock to the same tracks, we listen to the same artists. And, but reggae gave me inspiration to continue doing what I was doing and keep it fresh 
and kind of spread positive vibes. You know, ultimately is what I try to do is uh, create happiness, you know. Same way as a chef does that with a plate, you know, I try to do that with music, especially coming from a place called Iraq, you know. People immediately associate you with something uh, that is negative. So my name is Muhammad uh, from Iraq, but I'm going to rock this party and let you smile throughout the night, you know, maybe dance, let loose, you know. Ultimately True. was trying to change uh, that the ideas that people had about people from Iraq. So I always marketed myself as Iraq's first sound boy, you know. I mm. wanted people to know there was an Iraqi guy playing reggae music. I stopped playing hip-hop music for a long time, and then I got into... I got obsessed with this, like, beat sound, you know, from mm. L.A., Colorado. Mm. And then I got back into it again, you know. So mm. I got back into, like, doing this whole, like, beat instrumental thing. So I was doing my reggae rajas thing. I was doing my beats thing. Yeah, maybe I do too many things at times, but you know it's funny when when I kind of fell out with hip hop as well. I reached to reggae immediately. Mm-hmm. Me and my be- me and Amir, mm. Amir, uh, our beat maker for a long time. Okay, we were both feeling reggae at the same time. Nice, and we like uh, Barris Hammond. Okay. Dennis Brown is the guy, and yeah, because like, the voice you can't bear. Sure. You know what I mean? And I was telling him the same thing. I was like, man, you know what? These guys, man, they don't. It's beautiful it's music, chilling, man, huh? and it's just not. <laughs> Because there was a point where the moment I'd hear some booty music crap, yeah. I switch, switch it off. off. I don't. I didn't want that stuff in my mind anymore. I can't yeah. deal with that. Sh- yeah. So but then there's a conscious movement within hip hop as well. Like it's not obvious. Oh, there's yeah, there a lot of that. Yeah. There sure. is. But the thing is, man, the reggae guys—they go into scripture, man. Like sometimes with the way they write, it's they talk about they romanticize it in their own and, way. Yeah. Yeah, because the. The, the roots reggae stuff is spiritual yeah, it is so they go like, so for them it's religious yeah, yeah exactly it's like so they're preaching they dig, yeah they dig deeper it's to the only religious music place. that's as widespread in the world like because you, church yep. music isn't this widespread but no. this is religious music yeah. for them it is yeah, religious yeah. music I mean I'm not Rasta but I definitely like see the kind of commitment like Rastafarians have with the, the sound of reggae music and it's meditating yeah. like you can't just go out there and like to Jamaica and rock dreads and be like yeah I do yeah, reggae you know no it's not no, about it's that a religion for them it's like yeah. this is a serious thing you know don't yeah. don't like even the the cuisine or the, their diet like they're very strict people you know yeah. and that kind of was like amazing to learn about you know and I, I knew Bob Marley but through Bob Marley I got to discover so much everybody uh, else you know like so much great like uh music and through that kept evolving and as a promoter I kept putting on shows and just enhancing the experience for people and for me ultimately it's just you know put on a good show let people leave you heard of Luciano? of course yeah I got exclusives from Luciano <laughs> <laughs> I'll play yeah, they'll play for the days man like nice, yeah man. yeah of course of course, of course he's proper and he holds the book and everything I'm telling you yeah this is for them it's just, it is a serious thing you know Okay, so um, so how did you end up like in Dubai? Okay. Dubai. My brother used to live out here. Okay. He's been here for nine years. Whenever he come back to India, he would be like, "Yo, you gotta come out to Dubai. There's some cool shit." And I was like, "Yo, fuck you, man. <laughs> rocking this shit in India, bro. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Go back to your VIP shit." No, anyway, he's mad cool. He was hanging out with cool people. Anyways, I never really had interest in Dubai at all. So Why? Because like, you heard that it's like no, nah, because I would see like from. My yeah. research online outside the box. Looking, I mean, I knew I, I, I knew there was some cool, interesting parties happening. Or, but I was too. As in, I was in my own bubble yeah, in India. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. I was like, I was stuck in my own bubble. You know, okay. maybe I was a bit selfish yeah. towards like promoting my music or my thing just towards that. Like, yeah, I didn't really think out of the box. I had to leave India, mm. and I went back to Iraq in 2012. 
And at that point, the struggle became real because I was back in Iraq after 16 years of not living, uh, 14 years of not being back. For me, that was a shocking experience, you know, to leave India. I was at the peak of my career, you know, like I was programming festivals. I was working for the biggest events company. What age? This was 2012. How old were you? 20. Ah, if I'm 28 right now. It was four years ago. Yeah, 24. I was 24. You were 24 and then yeah. you went back to Iraq. Yeah. So I, last time I had been, I was like 13. So it's been like 11 years. I hadn't been back to Iraq. Mm. And uh, I had to go back to Iraq for some visa shit. Visa shit. Just <laughs> <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> to go back to Iraq. I don't know how they got me on the plane, but I, I went back to Iraq. I, I got into Iraq and immediately, like... I was shocked with the reality of the situation and I started to like think more on how, what, what am I going to do, you know, because I'm technically stuck there. I couldn't go back to India uh, due to some visa again, but I was like, I need to find a way to kind of get out of here immediately. I was also stuck about that. I'm going to manage to go back to India because I have enough friends there who are going to help me get back to India, but that didn't work out. Did so you I, not try to create sound? In Iraq? In, in Iraq, Iraq, I try to stay in a room, lock the door, <laughs> and not engage. Nah, <laughs> yo, even if I play music, I play it on head. I was obviously scared as shit, bro. Like, yeah. uh, I had like some terrible experiences there that kind of immediately like shut down any idea. I, had, I did this one presentation. It was uh, for the Polish Institute. They had this artist residencies, artist in residency, where you applied for... A particular project and you could possibly get funding for it so that project for me was like uh, there's a lot of concrete walls all over the neighborhoods in iraq because they block off the neighborhoods and they would have one police check so you cannot enter okay. or exit only so. through that like every street had a police check you know so basically everything is con concrete everywhere so i mean again Graffiti. i was like yo i need to get this shit here you know so i put this presentation together and i applied for this artist residency where I would go to Poland and like meet people and learn more about how I can develop things where I was and bring back some artists, convince the government we can make this a bit more beautiful place using our calligraphy, using our I mean, for me, El Cid was somebody that I always looked up to. I was like using their images and presentations and stuff and uh, I applied I made it through the first round And then when I was talking to these people on Skype, and they're like, actually, like, realistically speaking, this is not going to happen due to the political situation in Iraq. And it's mm. a long shot. So we're just going to have to say no to this project right now. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, I tried to do something. And then I just uh, continued, like, living in a room for, like, a long time and trying to find a way to get out there, you know. At the time, my mom had moved to Dubai. And from India from India yeah. yeah and I was like yo I need to get out to Dubai you know what's the deal what's going on I there Dubai what's the deal yeah see when you're desperate like, and when you're you know like you, you're, you don't really have many options you kind of you go back and you're like okay it's not so bad I need to I need to, yeah no, I need to make this shit happen so I had met this one guy at a party in India this Indian guy who lived in Dubai he grew up he was born here mm. and he had come to our party as reggae rajas in, uh, in India so I only knew this one guy I mean I had a lot of friends that were artists you know like rappers and stuff like that. we're not really friends we're acquaintances through Facebook 
But this guy actually had human interaction with him. Of yeah. course, I knew Danny Neville and I was following what they were doing and things. But like this was a normal person who was not really associated to any music or thing. He was just a normal dude, Rishab, who was who I had met through my music thing in India, mm. and I had him on Facebook, and I would look at his pictures at times when I was stuck in Iraq, and uh, these guys seemed to be having a bomb time. You know, they had like parties in the desert. Belly you know? dancers. <laughs> I don't know about belly dancers. No. No, every party in the desert has a no, belly no, dancer. No, no, these guys have what? no belly dancers. No, no, this was What are you on? <laughs> so, I reached out to Rishab, and I was like, yo, I mean, there's a possibility that I might come out to Dubai, and it would be cool if, like, we hang out and you show me what's up. And he was like, yeah, for sure, you know, like, uh, come through. And I was like, who does reggae? Who does hip-hop? Who connect me to people? So he had connected me through him and through other people. I managed to find Deep Crates Cartel. Oh, okay. So I connected. I was still in Iraq. I was still in Iraq. Yeah. Mainly, I connected with Dabijad because of the reggae aspect of things. And Reggae Rajas had already been an establishment that people knew about us. I knew, like, Danny and all were doing more of the dance hall thing. And Jamrock Dubai at that time was not really happening. So mm-hmm. I was like, yo, there's this... I'm going to find a way to get to Dubai. But if I'm going to get to Dubai, I haven't played a show in like a year. Mm-hmm. I need to rock a show while I'm in Dubai. Because I'm like... I had so much energy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like about to explode, you know? So you, you were what age now? I was 25, 24. Oh, right, so like a year had passed since yeah, you went yeah. I think you're still blowing off that energy from the room and around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every so, time I see him in a party, this guy is... Oh, hype. Yeah, he's <laughs> always... Oh, I'm, like, I'm like in trying to find who are the people that I need to connect with while I'm in Dubai and how I can go about this whole thing and finding a job and maybe making Dubai a new home for me, you know? Mm. So, thankfully, the guys from Deep Crates Cartel believed and they were like, yo, we're going to book you for a show. And they had this party called Drop Dread at the time yeah, I at uh, Casa Latina. So as, as soon as that got confirmed, I got my tickets and I contacted people in India telling them to connect me with event companies and people who are doing cool things in Dubai. That's how I got connected to OHM events. So I took, I, I got out of Iraq and came to Dubai. It was, it was a struggle getting the visa to come to Dubai, but it happened. And then I realized why. is because this place is so safe, full of opportunity. They were very particular about who they kind of allowed into their country, which I respect. I respect this place all day, you know. They've done their part. They've created this amazing thing, which is like full of opportunity for people like all of us, you know. True. From the entire region. Yeah. All over the world. Yeah. yeah. And we're out here, you know. So I arrived to I arrived to Sharjah on a Wednesday night. Wait, wait, why are you saying it like that? Tuf has got all protected. Because I couldn't afford the taxi from Sharjah to Dubai. Tuf you know? got all protected. Yo, like, yo, bus, yo listen. <laughs> I took, I, later on, I, I do the metro, the bus, I do the hitchhack, I do it all. I did it all. So anyways, I got in on Wednesday. I had lunch with my mom. I hadn't seen her in a while. And then on Thursday night, I messaged this guy called Rishab. Yo. We're going to go out. Yeah. No, so I knew who was DJing at the night. It was DJ Markey. It was Global Funk. At oh, music yeah, Global Club. Funk was here. So yeah, my, yeah. To Dubai, my huh? people in India, which was like the guys, brothers of Pavan from Foreign Beggars, knew me. Okay. So they connected okay. me to Ben, and I got guest listed for the night. I knew Markey, DJ Markey from like India, because I did an event with DJ Markey in India. Anyways... I had done so much research that I knew more about Dubai than some of the people in Dubai. Like, <laughs> true. I, I had like guest lists sorted out for analog like in the next week. Like, <laughs> I like I made sure that if I'm gonna come here for one month, I'm You're gonna sorted. go to like the commercial stuff, the underground stuff, 
the legit, the non-legit. I wanted to do the, my market research. Mm. Yeah, you I covered it all. Home, yeah. I, I went everywhere, man. I've done like Crystal, Movida. I've I've done it all. Like people be like, what? I did. I went everywhere. Mm. Again, also I was deprived of going out. So when yeah, I came out here, I was like, out. <laughs> Yo, ladies' <laughs> night, <laughs> Tuesday night, karaoke night. I was there, you know. So people are like, who the f- this guy, you know? So, anyways, Thursday night, we go out to music room. And I hadn't like danced or drank in a while, and I was like, "Yo, this is amazing!" And then there was an after party, and I met some cool people. I was slowly like thinking this place could actually become a home mm. uh, because it's it's future, it's the future. And I used to call myself the future at a point because I played forward-thinking music. Yeah, true, true. But true. this was the future. Like I was looking at it right there. Mm. You come from a, it looks future. Bad neighborhood right? in Iraq. Yeah. Baghdad, then you get on this plane and you just see the and you're like, what the hell? There's a bomb be- like that. I can't believe this shit exists, you know? And so during that time, I had I did, I had an interview with the OHM events, but I also rocked my first party, which was Drop Dread as Reggae Rajas, and everybody promoted it. You know, my friends from India were promoting it, and they were promoting it. They hadn't seen, maybe they have, I don't know, I hadn't seen like an MC DJ thing, you know, where yeah, I came yeah, in, yeah, yeah. A full I package. came in raw, like yeah. I was like, I had fucking cut special tracks for Dubai, like where MCs in Jamaica were talking about my debut in Dubai. I was like, yo, I'm going to make wow. this grand, you know? That's a lot of pre-planning going That's on. Nice. That's a lot of pre-planning. I, fucked, I was, I was, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I was on top of the speaker, like I was <laughs> wow. losing my shit, you know? That was so epic, like it was probably one of the top five shows they had as Drop Dread at Castle Latino. Uh, they asked me to play again before I left, you know. We did well, another. So you were sh- just booked for, for like a couple. I did one show only, you know. Okay. And then I did a second show before I left back to Iraq, and it took a while for me to come back here. But those two shows like were amazing, you know, kind of outstanding for me, you know. Mm. It was like whoa, and then I got Freak TV to come do a video about my Yo, performance Freak is raw so man. Freak I know Freak, freak because of these funny videos they used to put up yeah, me and my video. Libyan friend better we used to watch it we're like yo look at these jokers in Dubai look at this shit mm-hmm. and we were just it was entertainment for us you know because mm-hmm. we don't really know what was going on yeah the guy was really creative with us stuff so I had new Freak from Twitter yeah and uh, Facebook so he came out he did like a little video about the party mm-hmm. which is still now on YouTube and yeah, I went back to Iraq and it was like this trip that was two months, but it felt like a week because I was like, what's going to happen next? Yeah. What's going to happen next? I didn't manage to get my visa to come back here. So I moved, I moved, I left Iraq. I went to Malaysia. I lived like in a jungle for like two months because my friend lived in a jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you make that sound exotic. What? It was fucking exotic. How'd you get out of Iraq to Malaysia? Malaysia, you don't need visa. So basically I looked at Google. I was like, yo, Google. Which what places don't require it? What places? There was like nine places. Three of them I couldn't pronounce and I couldn't even locate on a map. And like, sounds But you were stupid, okay but for cash? Like, where are you having the cash uh, to do all these things? I had saved some money during my hard work in India. And I was borrowing money from my best friend, Better. Okay. And like, Gen wow. uh, other, wow. They hooked me up. Real Shout out to them. Yeah, I still got the accounts booked. Don't worry about <laughs> it. One day I'll pay you back. <laughs> but yeah, they hooked me up. Uh, I mean, it was a struggle. Like, oh, no, I couldn't even ask my brother. For, it was it was terrible, okay. terrible times. But at the time, you know, like it was minimal. You know, like book flights, get there, yeah. eat whatever they feed you, try to play shows, get some money get off some it, cash or flip shows. it, like do some shows. Anyways, so in Malaysia, I was going to meet my German friend Christian, who had like uh, a resort in a jungle. Yes, and they lived in a treehouse. 
him and his wife and son. So they managed the resort, but they lived in a treehouse and they had a couch. Yeah, that is really so, cool. It was actually amazing because I met some mad, crazy people there. And yeah, they didn't really ask me for rent. You know, we were cooking together, lived in a jungle, like you sleep, everything around you is open, you hear mosquitoes. Fresh air and, and all that good stuff. <laughs> Too many mosquitoes, all that good stuff, yeah. Village food, like for $2, you would get this uh, amazing like satay and... It was bomb. Malaysia was the bomb. Mm. And then my visa got over because I could only stay there for one month at a time. Mm. So on the 31st of December, 2013, I went to Istanbul for the third time. And I spent like uh, six months in Istanbul. You were able to get into Istanbul. Malaysia. Oh, yeah. So Istanbul is the second place you don't need a visa for. Okay. There you well, go. I managed to like make a family in Istanbul. Not literally make a family. But like I had a family, you know, like yeah. of people who kind of cared about me and took care of me. And they sponsored me to get a residency. These are Istanbul. people you know from before or what? Friends of friends. People who were just kind enough to allow a stranger on their couch. And that stranger stayed for six months. But cooked oh, wow. amazing food and through some dope bodies I don't know <laughs> but yeah uh, no. yeah there, I've met some amazing people man like if it wasn't for the music I wouldn't have not met these people like, that's the cool thing man, about right? music though music right? is that's international thing, man yeah, it does not matter because look at your situation and then you're meeting people with the biggest hearts because they're opening up to you and then music somehow is moving, making you move it's a thing man it doesn't reward you in certain ways but it rewards you in yeah. other ways that nobody else has so access like, to like, you know yeah I mean? these are intangible things that you can like, you know what I'm saying if yeah. it wasn't for music, there was no way you would have... I mean, music saved my that. life. That's it really like did. Title. I mean, even when I was like sitting in a room in Iraq, I was like always like downloading music, listening to music, looking at what music has done in other places. So Istanbul, the family in Istanbul, Jihangir Pandey crew, we even started the crew there. I mean, I don't know. I'm obsessed with the word crew. So we Everywhere have, you go, you <laughs> Yeah, everything is a crew. It's always crew. So Jihangir is a neighborhood, like a really hipster neighborhood in Istanbul behind Taksim Square and Pandik I don't know this sounds strange but Pandik is like when you touch a girl's boot from the back just like kind of okay. <laughs> I don't know why they thought that was that, they thought that was a cool name so it was Jihangir Pandik crew and uh, we had actually a dope logo I don't know if we were supposed to like stand on the street and touch that was definitely not the intention we just had a cool logo and a cool name maybe the name we thought it was funny at the time but yeah, Jihangir Pandit crew was the brand and uh, I actually threw some parties while I was in Istanbul and met some amazing people who I later on brought to Dubai for me D3. I brought like two artists from Istanbul, but that all happened of just like being on the streets, meeting people, representing like Jihangir Pandit crew and uh, yeah, just continued traveling. Then I took a bus from Istanbul to Bulgaria to play at a ski festival and yeah, so kept traveling and people now, I had friends in Dubai who were like, who the f*** is this guy and why is he like he's all over the place you know because you're updating yeah. your social media I, exactly I'm all about you the don't social stop. media like I mean I hint hint to f- <laughs> all, about, all about the social, so what social media, media can do because it's like currency now man. I harass people on Twitter people unfollow me because I talk too much on Twitter if you go back to my feed like my my feed during my time in Iraq you would probably think I would have committed suicide at times because I was really angry and I was just talking yeah, yeah, yeah. on Twitter so a lot of people who started unfollowing me, especially a lot of artists, you know, like, this shit is depressing. Why do we... <laughs> yeah, Some people wow. started following me and talking about it, retweeting it, like Narsi and all. But anyways, social media was the whole, like, I was connecting, you know, I was all over the place. And uh, 
yeah, I just kept traveling, traveling. Somehow, 18 months back, I managed to get back to Dubai. Before Dubai, I managed to get back to India. I played like 15 shows in Ooh. 30 days. Damn. Was like the homecoming, you know? Yeah, yeah. Nicely done. Back. So I, was, I, I went back. I entered the airport. I actually had a camera. I was filming the, my entrance the through thing. immigration. If they had not let me in, you know, there was going to be a riot. I don't know. That was in my head. <laughs> I, I only told three people that I was coming I back to India. And they were, as I walked through the immigration line, I get outside and I found like 25 of my friends all waiting. It was 4 a.m. And we all just looked at each other like, it finally happened. You know, I made it back home. And I was like embracing it that I'm back home in India. And did the shows. A month later, my mom calls me up. She's like, you got the visa. I'm like, what visa? She's like, you got the Dubai visa. I mean, I had a job with OHM, so they were applying for my residency, but it wasn't coming. It took time. That's it why took, you were... Yeah. Like, it took okay. like almost nine months. So that's why you were all over in this, this all, period, All over right? the place. Okay, okay, okay. So she's like, they got the visa. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I spoke to Adam, Adam Rahman, and he was like, yeah, the visa still not issued, not cleared, you know? She's like, contact him now. So I emailed Adam. He's like, no, nothing yet. Then he calls the PRO, and then boom. Like five minutes later, I have this pink slip in my inbox. Oh, and it's like, there you go. Wow. It's like this UAE Glowing. residence yeah. permit entrance. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm back home in my, with my family in India right now. And they feel like, I feel like they're comfortable without me, you know. It's not like they don't want me to be there, but I think they're doing good without me. Okay. So maybe this is the time to open exactly. another chapter yeah, yeah. and start a new mission, you know, which is music ultimately. And go and try out this new place and maybe becomes my home or so boom i finish up my india thing book a flight land back in dubai yo i'm now in dubai actually i was in Sharjah. i was living in Sharjah for the first six months but i i actually had Sharjah as my home on facebook just like, <laughs> I, I embrace it yo, yo like dudes would be like, looks yo, don't, like don't tell you chicks you live in Sharjah because you i'm like yo what's up with bro yeah. have you lived in iraq motherfucker no, Sharjah is right? heaven. People don't get like, that God shit. God bless, over. God bless Sharjah. You know, yeah. there's some amazing food, amazing Cornish. You know, yeah, yeah. 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 Somali used to represent Sharjah. Best food. Used to, <laughs> I used to like best food and best cons. Like he used to get everything out of yeah. Sharjah. That's yeah. a full package. So and amazing taxi bills, uh, <laughs> long rides. But anyways, uh, I used to take the metro from like stadium station. So yeah, I got back to the UAE. The first six months or five months, I was actually terrible at my job because I was still you had to not, figure the place out right? yeah no I had figured the place out I had not figured how I can integrate because I was always a solo warrior in my job you know like I was putting on myself I don't trust people that easily so I would put an event together I would be the guy sound checking renting the sound setting up the bar picking up the artist creating the flyer making the Facebook event I did all that so what was what's the problem the problem is here now I'm working with a team of people you didn't know how to work in a team I definitely oh. didn't know how to work with a team uh, I still am getting used to it now, you know. Uh, I've you. learned. I've yeah. learned thanks to a lot of people who gave me, like, pointed my mistakes out. And now I know what my mistakes are and I'm trying to become better, at, you know, doing things in the right way. So the first five months, I was just still just partying. I was getting the salary and I was like, yeah, I do social media for HM events. Blah. I don't really, I still, I, I hadn't. But then I was like, yo, ultimately, like, what am I doing here, you know? So I was like, we got to start this new shit. So, because you I get had, you get antsy if you're just doing some random yeah. shit. I mean, I was just happy to like have an income. I had a home, uh, but you get I, bored after a while. 
ultimately bored and like, yo, what, what the f*** am I doing? You know, I thought we're coming here to like create. Because yeah, yeah. you have to make things. It's like in your nature now. So the first the event that I did, the first event that I did was at Casa Latina. Mm-hmm. But I was like, see, everybody's done events at Casa Latina. How am I going to make this different and challenge the local promoters, but yet stand out? So I went to meet the guys from Casa Latina. There's the manager called Ahmed. I was like, I see a second room there. I know it's not really a club, but I want both rooms. I want to throw a party and take over both rooms. I don't want to throw a party and just do Casa Latina. I want to throw a party and turn it into two rooms. They're like, what do you mean two rooms? This is a conference room. I'm like, let me handle it. So somehow the guy was convinced that, yeah, he gave me the second room. And I threw this party, which was a launch for a festival in India. The festival was doing pre... Uh, pre-parties in different cities I wanted people from Dubai to know about the festival mm. that's the same festival that I just played in December Magnetic Fields so we did a Magnetic Fields launch party in Dubai okay. we booked uh, a bass music DJ producer in the main room which was like Casa Latina and then we did a tropical night in the second smaller room where is that room? Where, uh, it's, I as you enter Casa Latina it's on the like right the side apparently there yeah. is okay. so you open the curtain uh-huh. and there is a room it's a conference room that could fit 75 people so we had set up we had set up a DJ booth speakers I was obsessed with sound I still am we had got Serge Lotfi to like set up this bomb sound system for us yeah. we had like Castle during, se- doesn't have the best. during se- I mean we spent mm. we spent the biggest sum of money during that night on sound mm. Mm. I had promoted it in six like we had six weeks to promote the night we had a Brazilian American producer doing a live set at the tropical room and we had one from the UK doing his thing in the main room and then I was like how do we how do we get the locals involved yeah uh, we curated a lineup of like having Isarai who's now part of the 264 yes. crew yep. play in the the base night and then we had Finley the Fox who I met in Bulgaria moved to Dubai afterwards crazy he played in that night in that room then we had somebody from the Dust crew yeah. play in the tropical base room which is Adriano and then we had Sammy from Abu Dhabi play a dub set in the tropical room so I kind of brought in four of the local pioneers of the scene or alternative scene with these headliners and promoted the f*** out of it <laughs> for six weeks and we actually ended up like kind of having like 300 people come to Casa Latina and they were shocked wow that's like a, a big number for Casa Latina has yeah. never seen that many people in a while during, during the drop dread nights they had seen big numbers but they've never seen two rooms yeah so I was like, if I'm going to come in and do something, let's try to challenge myself and the people around us. And like, you know, kind of do something different. And we did this two-room party. And that's when I was, uh, I proved to myself that I'm still capable of doing events that are commercially viable, like in a way that I could prove to OHM events, we could make this shit successful, you know? You guys pioneered the underground. You guys brought the whole trilogy rooftop game to the next level. Let's focus on a little bit of different sound, you know? Mm. So then I came in and started doing this like, different sound thing what I thought was different and we did like lo-fi district eventually started like the lemon jam which was a live music event and like during that period somehow I I was curating a lot of smaller events you know with a beach canteen market out of the box with obviously the OHM team the biggest to ever like the biggest event I've curated was Meet D3 yeah. so I, we were asked by Don Events and Dubai Design District to curate the music for D3 it was five spaces including the main stage and we curated the music for the launch of Dubai Design District in April 
and that was the most amazing project I've ever worked oh, on. That was huge. I've never like done such a large scale event to like to the open public. You know, it was like mm. a free entry event, and I worked with some amazing people who now I consider some of them mentors. You know, uh, I learned a lot about everything that I do, and I realized that Dubai has a future for everything because somehow we managed to get some really underground names yeah, out here to play yeah, and like yep. part of this bigger setting and I was like yeah okay this mission is working I need to kind of focus more and put things in perspective <laughs> Lo-Fi District was a short like thing we did maybe five events and then we got some guy from Cosmin Ostro Records which is that yeah, second France. part of Selection Be Visible from Austria then we did the Selection Party the Selection Party I did it with a guy called Nima who runs Digital Gravel, which is a t-shirt. Got hmm. a creative crew from LA that was originally from Dubai. He kind of helped me. Like We both came to realization that there is a, a demand for this sound when we throw out the Selection Party and they put on their Facebook, people were freaking out. Like, Selection DXB, like, what up? And we had just this bum-ass party, people vibing to Selection sounds. And uh, then the next thing was the Daedalus thing, which is the low-end theory sound. And slowly, slowly, slowly. <laughs> And now I was like, I cannot do this by myself, you know. And I had all these people around me who were like big on music, you know. And they want to get involved. And everybody wants to play I was learning so much from the guys, the friends that I was chilling with. Like every day I was learning about different genres of music, you know, whether it was bass, drum and bass, house, techno, everything alternative, you know, because they were such deep diggers, you know, like, but they maybe they were not all like out there promoters, out there DJs, you know, but we collectively became like, yeah. they're music lovers, you know, and they wanted to see something different. Maybe they were, yeah. They, and you celebrated everybody's strengths together. So, basically. yeah, we collectively collaborated and we started the 264 crew and this is where we are right now, you know, which is the new chapter of my thing in du- being in Dubai is this 264 being, being part of the 264 crew and uh, just, not just not just doing parties, you know. Karak beats is one thing, but we also do like Karak heads. We do the come down mix. We do future sailors. We just try to do different things, you know, where we like integrate like the community into the the, the movement of like sound art and uh, ultimately like hanging out with you guys and talking about this. Yeah. this. I mean, this is this is what this is what, this is what the cause yeah, is exactly. about, you know. Yeah, like, that's what, you know, that's like, one of the reasons why we, we you're like the first guest outside of her because she's a close friend. We were like. When we started thinking about doing the Dukanshi, we were like, we want to sort of connect the community somehow and then speak to the community. Way before that. No, but I mean, even way before that, remember when I came and bumped into you guys at the uh, the Soul DXB pre party? Yeah. And I came to to, uh, Firas, I was like, yo, man, listen, like, I had this podcast idea, like, I want to see what I want to do. I had met you at Leo Burnett. uh, Yes, right, yeah, a few weeks before that. And, you know, we we're talking about it. And then Faraz was like, oh, wait, you got to talk to Jibba. And then I, we kicked it and yeah. we spoke about it. And we're like, yo, you know, let's see what we can do with this podcast. And from that on, like, we were just every weekend sitting and working sitting and building and working this. And, and part of the, the, the planning that came to it was or our, our biggest overarching purpose to it was that it, was, it had to be about the community. It had to be about the people. And we're being pretty selective of what kind of people we wanted to have on it you know it was always about the the positive vibes the good people and always mm. have something to and share yeah, i'm just you know like i'm part, i'm part of that bigger scene that has been already being built by other people you know mm. maybe i'm very like i like to be out there because again like as i told you about my pe- 
experience in Iraq, like which like, I'm not gonna yeah. go into detail about, like you have to embrace life. You know, you have to live every day that it's like your last day. So if I sit at home and wait for the weekend, or if I sit at like home and wait to make a mix next month, no, the idea is to just put it out there. You know, if you have an idea, you know, put it out there. Let people know you're trying to do things. So we collaborate. You know, we get everybody together. There's one thing is like us fearing each other and not kind of not being able to kind of work together about things yeah. but there's the way where and it can Dubai become a, a healthy there's competition a you know yeah. you know like yeah. we challenge each other together, yeah. and that's ultimately what we are also doing with the venue where we do Karak Beats you know it's not just 264 crew now we have Deep Crates Cartel doing a oh, monthly night nice. we have mm. Dust you know mm. so for other promoters like why would that idiot go and give out his venue to other right, people? Exactly. But OHM events was never about like me or them. It was about the bigger scene, you know? Yeah. Even them as starting as a record shop and like yeah, curating that true. sound, you know? It was always about like... So when I reached out to Deep Crates Cartel, I was like, yo, we want to give you guys a monthly night, you know? And reached out to Dust. That's the way to go, bro. Everybody was like, yo, like, are you serious? Like, like yeah, because it's really... If we all grow together... Everybody will realize that this is a community driven. And the money just changes hands. Your money, my money, everybody's money, man. It's just everybody's money under the freaking day, man. Yo, you yeah. know what I'm money is just money. a tool, but it's yeah, just in the middle of the thing. You know what I'm trying? So they fear, they fear this. I'm gonna lose something in the it's process, but of that but if we help each other, then we're always. And gonna then there's gonna be other, more, you know? and there's gonna be more money to go around anyway. End of the day, and I, I think you see it like even with house music, with techno music, like people are trying to collaborate, and uh, you know, once that insecurity is gone, you know, like you kind of gotta get over that and just like work together to build a better community. Yeah. Now, you're putting me on the side today, and you're gonna do a mix. Yes, we want. We want. I'm gonna. We want a global mix. Something to summarize all these experiences yeah. over the past. Yeah, time. yeah. I'll, I'll play music during like music that was emotional. I play music that kind of helped me get over the sad times during my yes. rock times. Yeah, that's all a good of it, I'll, man. I'll, like, actually, I'm not gonna make a mix. I'm gonna curate like a few tracks. I mean, you know, and put them together. Let's do it. Listen to it.
You can continue the conversation with the guys at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud at Dukan Show. Subscribe to the show on your iTunes and Stitcher to stay up to date. And if you like what you hear, give it a rating. Dukan is hosted by OT, Irshad, and Toothless. You can also reach them on their personal social media profiles at OT Official and at Irshad underscore INI. And you can also reach Toothless at soundcloud.com slash Firas dash Ibrahim. Salam.
shout out to my parents, you know, they always supported me. So oh. 
Said he had beef. Asked me if I had my piece. Sure do. Two twenty twos in my shoes. Holler if you need me, love. I'm in the house. Roman strong. See what the honeys is about. Mo wet popping, ho popping. Ain't no stopping. Big Papa, I'm a bad boy. Niggas wanna front. Who got your back? Niggas wanna flex. Who got the gap? It ain't hard to tell. I'm the East Coast overdoser. Nigga, you're scared. Just a poster. Nigga, I toast you. Put fear in your heart. Fuck up the party before it even starts. Is he drunk? Or the Henny and Skunk? Or some brand newbie and shit beating down punks? Yeah. That's that. And bullshit. And bullshit. In a tight dress, I think I might just Hit her with a little biggie 101 How to tote a gun and have fun with Jamaican Rough conversation, blunts in rotation My man Big Jock got the Glock in his waist And we're smoking, drinking, got the hooker thinking If money smell bad, then this nigga big is stinking Is it my charm? I got the hookers eating out my palm She grabbed my arm and said, let's leave calm I'm hitting skins again Rolled up another blunt, bought a Heineken Niggas start to look out, a kid got choked out, blows with stone, and a fucking fight broke out. Can we just all get along so I can put hickeys on a chest like little Sean? Get a pissy drunk off a dog, every yawn, and it's on, and I'm gone, that's that, yeah. Khaled, my biggest inspiration, positive vibes, love you, follow me on Snapchat, I'm not as cool as him, but...